Episode 77. The common room looks strange, full of people wearing different colors instead of the usual mass of black. Parvati was waiting for Harry at the foot of the stairs. She looked very pretty indeed, in robes of shocking pink, with her long, dark hair plated with gold and gold bracelets glimmering at her wrists. Harry was relieved to see that she wasn't giggling. You uh, look nice, he said awkwardly. Thanks, she said. Padma's going to meet you in the entrance hall, she added to Ron. Ron, said Ron, looking around. Where's Hermione? Pavati shrugged. Shall we go down then, Harry? Okay, said Harry, wishing he could just stay in the common room. Fred winked at Harry as he passed him on the way out of the portrait hall. The entrance hall was packed with students, too, all milling around waiting for eight o'clock when the doors to the great hall would be thrown open. Those people who were meeting partners from different houses were edging through the crowd trying to find each other. Parvati found her sister Padma and led her over to Harry and Ron. Hi, said Padma who was looking just as pretty as Parvati in robes of bright turquoise. She didn't look too enthusiastic about having Ron as a partner, though. Her dark eyes lingered on the frayed neck and sleeves of his dress robes as she looked him up and down. Hi, said Ron, not looking at her, but staring around at the crowd. Oh, no! He bent his knee slightly to hide behind Harry because Fleur Delacour was passing, looking stunning in robes of silver-gray satin and accompanied by the Ravenclaw Quidditch captain, Roger Davies. When they had disappeared, Ron stood straight again and stared over the heads of the crowd. Where is Hermione? he said again. A group of Slytherins came up the steps from their dungeon common room. Malfoy was in front, he was wearing dress robes of black velvet with a high collar, which, in Harry's opinion, made him look like a vicar. Pansy Parkinson was clutching Malfoy's arm in very frilly robes of pale pink. Crabbe and Goyle were both wearing green. They resembled moss-colored boulders, and neither of them, Harry was pleased to see, had managed to find a partner. The oak front doors opened, and everyone turned to look as the Durmstrang students entered with Professor Karkaroff. Crumb was at the front of the party, accompanied by a pretty girl in blue robes Harry didn't know. Over their heads, he saw that an area of lawn right in front of the castle had been transformed into a, a sort of grotto full of fairy lights, meaning Hundreds of actual living fairies were sitting in the rose bushes that had been conjured there and fluttering over the statues of what seemed to be Father Christmas and his reindeer. Then Professor McGonagall's voice called out, Champions, over here, please! Parvati readjusted her bangles, beaming. She and Harry said, See you in a minute, to Ron and Padma, and walked forwards, the chattering crowd parting to let them through. Professor McGonagall, who was wearing dress robes of red tartan and had arranged a rather ugly wreath of thistles around the brim of her hat, 
told them to wait on one side of the doors while everyone else went inside. They were to enter the great hall in procession when the rest of the students had sat down. Fleur Delacour and Roger Davies stationed themselves nearest the doors. Davies looked so stunned by his good fortune in having Fleur for a partner that he could hardly take his eyes off her. Cedric and Cho were close to Harry, too, and he looked away from them so he wouldn't have to talk to them. His eyes fell instead on the girl next to Crumb. His jaw dropped. It was Hermione. But she didn't look like Hermione at all. She'd done something with her hair. It was no longer bushy, but sleek and shiny and twisted up into an elegant knot at the back of her head. She was wearing robes made of a floaty periwinkle blue material, and she was holding herself differently somehow. Or maybe it was merely the absence of the twenty or so books she usually slung over her back. She was also smiling. Rather nervously, it was true, but the reduction in the size of her front teeth was more noticeable than ever. Harry couldn't understand how he hadn't spotted it before. Hi, Harry, she said. Hi, Pavati. Pavati was gazing at Hermione in unflattering disbelief. She wasn't the only one, either. When the doors to the great hall opened, Crumb's fan club from the library stalked past, throwing Hermione looks of deepest loathing. Pansy Parkinson gaped at her as she walked by with Malfoy, and even he didn't seem to be able to find an insult to throw at her. Ron, however, walked right past Hermione without looking at her. <laughs> Once everyone was settled in the hall, Professor McGonagall told the champions and their partners to get in line in pairs and follow her. They did so, and everyone in the great hall applauded as they entered and started walking up toward a large round table at the top of the hall where the judges were sitting. The walls of the great hall had all been covered in sparkling silver frost with hundreds of garlands of mistletoe and ivy crossing the starry black ceiling. The house tables had vanished. Instead, there were about a hundred smaller lantern-lit ones, each seating about a dozen people. Harry concentrated on not tripping over his feet, Parvati seemed to be enjoying herself. She was beaming around at everybody, steering Harry so forcefully that he felt as though he was a show dog she was putting through its paces. He caught sight of Ron and Padma as he neared the top table. Ron was watching Hermione pass with narrowed eyes. Padma was looking sulky. Dumbledore smiled happily as the champions approached the top table, but... Karkaroff wore an expression remarkably like Ron's as he watched Crumb and Hermione draw nearer. Ludo Bagman, tonight in robes of bright purple with large yellow stars, was clapping as enthusiastically as any of the students. And Madame Maxime, who had changed her usual uniform of black satin for a flowing gown of lavender silk, was applauding them politely. But Mr. Crouch, Harry suddenly realized, was not there. 
The fifth seat at the table was occupied by Percy Weasley. When the champions and their partners reached the table, Percy drew out the empty chair beside him, staring pointedly at Harry. Harry took the hint and sat down next to Percy, who was wearing brand new navy blue dress robes and an expression of great smugness. I've been promoted, Percy said, before Harry could even ask, and from his tone he might have been announcing his election as supreme ruler of the universe. I'm now Mr. Crouch's personal assistant, and I'm here representing him. Why didn't he come? Harry asked. He wasn't looking forward to being lectured on cauldron bottoms all through dinner. Well, I'm afraid Mr. Crouch isn't well. Not well at all. Hasn't been right since the World Cup. Hardly surprising. Overwork. He's not as young as he was, though still quite brilliant, of course. The mind remains as great as it ever was. But the World Cup was a fiasco for the whole ministry, and then Mr. Crouch suffered a huge personal shock with the misbehavior of that house-elf of his, Blinky, or whatever she was called. Naturally, he dismissed her immediately afterwards, but, well, as I say, he's getting on. He needs looking after, and I think he's found a definite drop in his home comfort since she left— and then we had the tournament to arrange and the aftermath of the cup to deal with. That revolting Skeeter woman buzzing around. No, poor man. He's having a well-earned, quiet Christmas. I'm just glad he knew he had someone he could rely upon to take his place. Harry wanted very much to ask whether Mr. Crouch had stopped calling Percy Weatherby yet, but resisted the temptation.